Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 160 of the Beers in Bible podcast. I am Michael. And I'm Anthony. And we're so sorry that we missed last week, but schedules, sickness, all of the things, life happened. It got in the way and you're going to have to forgive us because there's no making it up at this point. Yeah, there's not anything we can do about it. So (laughs) uh, we're back this week. We're going to continue our uh, discussion through the books of the Bible. We're going to drink some beer. We're going to have a good time catching up. It's been a couple of weeks, really, since Anthony and I've even really talked. So, um, Anthony, what's what's been going on in your world? Man, a lot's been going on in my world. Uh, we just got back. Family just got back uh, from a week uh, in our favorite place that we like to go, which is Disney World. So we had a good time down there. I actually took my parents with me this time. Did y'all get your Valentine's date? Uh, no, we didn't. You know Aww. what we did for Valentine's night? We sat in our hotel room and ate leftovers. Oh. All of us. Uh, mm. There were seven of us that went on the trip. And we were so tired by Tuesday night that we just sat in the hotel room and ate leftovers. But it was awesome. We had a good time. Cool. Um, like I said, I took my to play golf with my, my dad down in Disney World a couple of times. That was really cool. Um. So we did that, and now we're, uh, unfortunately, have to go back to do things like work tomorrow and all of the regular life things happening, and Mm -hmm. that is what it is, you know? So that's us. How about you guys? What's going on in your world? Man, we've had some uh, sick kiddos, um, too. Like, what day was that? Friday. Uh, mm-hmm. both kids uh, which the doctor got have ear infections so that's fun um <laughs> with a uh, at least both of them got it not just one yeah <laughs> both of them at the same time um the nine month old he's almost nine months now uh, has a little bit of croup so that's always fun uh listening to that barking cough um <laughs> the barking steel cough is that's like the telltale sign of croup but um no, things are good here. Uh, staying busy with work. My wife is work. My wife's works uh, keeping her busy too. And you know, having having two boys at the house keeps you entertained, if anything else. So that's true. So, but we're uh, we're good. We're and we're ready to get back into the swing of things here with the podcast and uh, keep rolling. That we are. So what we're going to do is what we always do. We're going to drink a little bit of beer. Uh, we're going to review the beers and we're going to talk about the book of Hosea after that. So, Michael, what do you have to drink tonight for so, your beer? I know this is going to shock a lot of people, but I found a sour. Um, <gasps> yeah, let me pretend for a split second that I'm <laughs> shocked by that. So um, I have from a, another new brewery to the podcast, I think. I don't think we've had them before. Um, Firemaker Brewing Company based in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I have the cherry baked sale sour. Um, this thing, let's see here. Did I ever see ABV anywhere? Four, four and a half percent ABV. Um, and on the can, uh, they describe it as a fire maker session sour series is created from seasonal fruits, spice, and everything nice. This series is celestially sour, strong spirited, but sweet in nature. Our unique sour ale blooms with flavors from real cherries and cinnamon. Put a cherry on top of your day with this fan favorite treat. I love uh, cherry mm-hmm. stuff, and I obviously love sours, so I'm anticipating this being really good. Um, and they're based right here, like closest in Atlanta, so um, nice. always good to support them local local folks. So local folks, yep. Cherry bake sale. Nice. I just like that idea. So, what are you drinking? It is well. I'm I'm supporting the local folks as well. I have the Crazy Sister Blonde Ale. Um, neither the can nor uh, Untapped nor a website list an ABV. So this thing could be like twenty seven percent, and I wouldn't know it. Um, I doubt it's a blonde. It is a blonde. So it's, it's probably, probably weak. Like, it's probably like five. I'd say four. Four to five, probably. Four to five. That's probably a good guess. Um, but it's just, it says crisp and bright, light-bodied cream ale. Uh, you either have one, know one, or you are one. That is the Crazy Sister logo there. And if you nice. know anything about this area, you know who Lulu or Lucy Buffett is. She's the owner of Lulu's Restaurant there in Gulf Shores, Alabama. This is the official beer of the uh, the Lulu's Restaurant, and she is Jimmy Buffett's sister. In case uh, anybody didn't know that, um, so yeah, this is her official restaurant beer, uh, and I'm gonna drink it and see how it tastes tonight. Cool. So let's crack them open and see what we come up with. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. I have a feeling this thing's gonna be all kind of normal. Dude, this thing is like water. Look at how pale this thing is. Oh my! <laughs> mine smells. Not gonna lie, mine I, smells I pretty much like just. Mine, mine just smells like a pretty much like a cherry sour. Which means you're probably gonna give it five luthers. I've already got a second one like primed and ready to be opened. <laughs> so <laughs> when the cup gets down enough, it won't. I mean, I, and I'm drinking from one of my bigger glasses tonight, so I won't need to make a ton yeah. of room. Yeah, smell test on that smells delicious. This is this is this is going to be the definition of basic beer, I believe. Is it giving the Kalik vibes? It actually does. Oh gosh, <laughs> I really hope that the official beer of Lulu's isn't like just Kalik 2.0 for us. <laughs> a one Luther piece of garbage. Oh man. I mean there's there's like there's no smell to it at all. Like not even not even a little bit. Well, I don't know. This might Okay, there's a little in the can. You may just be sell- smelling metal though. I might be. It's entirely possible. <laughs> it's entirely possible. All right. Well, let's turn them up and drink them and see if Crazy Sista and the Cherry Bake Sale hold up to their names. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Ooh. It has more flavor than smell. 
by your um, smell, it wouldn't. By how you're describing the smell, it wouldn't take much. That's true. Hmm. So I'm assuming the cherry bake sale is going to get five Luthers. Why don't you go ahead and go? Because I'm I'm okay. I'm nailing it down on my end. So if if regular beer is your thing, this beer is as regular as regular can get. Um, it's basically. I'm going to compare this to a big box beer. I know we're not supposed to do things like this, but I'm going to compare this to a big box beer. This is basically Coors Light. Um, It's, I mean, I'll drink Coors Light. It's not my favorite. It's not even in my top, like, 10. Um, Probably not even my top, like, 20. Um, I'll, I'll drink it if someone gives it to me for free. Yes, I will drink it if somebody gives it to me for free. Um, But this is, I mean, this is, like, regular beer all day long. And if I'm going to buy a craft beer, I'm not going to buy, I'm not going to pay $9 for a six pack of something that I can pay. Shoot. What am I talking about? Gingling is $9 a six pack now too. (laughs) I will say this when I was checking out at the, at the grocery store with this one, they couldn't find it in their system. So they told, sold it to me for five 99. I was like, bet let's go. (laughs) So that's, I that's do how, have that working for well, me. I don't know if that's good or bad though. Like, yeah, it, it might be bad. Did someone slide it? Like, someone had two six packs, drank one, was like, "Oh, this is terrible," and took it to just a random <laughs> store and dropped it. <laughs> dropped it back. <laughs> Not even a store oh, that, that would they be funny. Sold it in. That'd be amazing. <laughs> anyway, um, this is not great. Um, this is not. This is not even in three Luther range uh, mm. for me. It's weak. It's it's just it's blah. It's just blah. Best I can give this thing. Uh, being nice, I'm gonna give it two and a half Luthers. Okay. So it's you know it's just man. If if you are like sweating and like just exhausted heat and you just need something really cold and you want a beer like this is this is the thing this would be shotgun worthy i'll, I'll put it that way is it like half a step up from water like can you tell you're drinking basically beer? yeah i mean i can tell i'm drinking beer it's got it it is crisp i'll i will give them that it is crisp what do they say they say crisp and bright light-bodied cream ale it's definitely light-bodied, that's for sure. Um, so I, I guess it kind of lives up to what... I don't know. It's just not good. Mm. It's just it, like the taste isn't... Yeah, it's basically Coors Light. Mm. It's like a tart version of Coors Light. So two and a half liters. I'm not going to give it anything higher than that. I can't. I'm becoming a snob. I'm becoming a beer snob in my in my... Wisdom of 160 beers down, and uh, I'm sorry, it's just it's just not good. So, sorry, well, Lulu. <laughs> so the cherry bake sale sour from FireMaker um, is very very good. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna like say that it's not. Maybe this is the snob coming out of me. Um, it's almost it's less sour and more tart. Okay. That makes sense. And it does. 
Well, and and here's the thing: less sour, more tart, and the tart bite is like almost too much. Okay. So, like the 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 uh, on the front end, it's really sweet. It's really mm-hmm. um, it's kind of almost light, and then on the back end, it like punches you in the face with tartness, which is not a bad thing. It's still good. Um, so. Is it but, like a reverse sour punch kid? Maybe. Sour yeah. patch kid? <laughs> kind of. Um, <laughs> but all that to say, I think this may be the fir- a first for us. So I'm going to go back and check our check this. I'm not going to give this five Luthers. <laughs> I'm going to give Michael's it, not going to give sour five Luthers. I mean, I'm going to give it four and a half Luthers. It's still very, very good. <laughs> but because the tartness is like almost... It's like it toes the edge of being too much. Yeah. And I guess I wasn't expecting the tar- it to be that tart. Still mm-hmm. very good. Flavors are still great. Tastes like generic cherry bake sale, cherry pie, cherry whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the tartness at the end is just a little overpowering for me. Um at least from what I was expecting on this one, still four and a yeah. half out of five is still great. Like, yes, it's still in the top, you know, whatever percentage of that. So, you're scoring ninety percent or better here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's what I am going to give. I mean, I'm still going to open the second one here in a minute and enjoy it and enjoy it very, very thoroughly. So, nice. But yeah, four and a half Luthers on the cherry. Bake sale sour from Firemaker. Nice. Well, Crazy Sister's not getting too well tonight. She's only getting two and a half. Sorry, Lucy. Um, oh, and that, I don't know if I said this, but it's brewed by Back 40, which is kind of surprising to me. Yeah. Because I do like Back 40 beers most of the time. They have the truck stop honey. Mm-hmm. That was and a couple one. other ones that are pretty good. So, yeah. um, Sorry, back forty. Sorry, Lucy. Just don't like this uh, this blonde ale that you got going on here, the crazy sister. Um, but Michael, he likes his cherry bake sale. So mm-hmm. four and a half Luthers on that guy. Well, if you want to stick around, and we hope that you do, uh, we're going to dive into the book of Hosea, and we're going to continue on in our book by book. We're going through the prophets. The prophets is all we have left in the Old Testament before we move to the New Testament. So we got like ten books left. Um, before it's Mm -hmm. New Testament time. So um, we're going to make it through these prophets uh, and uh, we're going to continue on tonight with the book of Hosea. So stick around and we will be right back. Welcome back. We are diving into the book of Hosea tonight, and we're going to go through this, and it's going to be fun, and we're going to talk about it. Hosea is a lot of fun, man. Uh, Every time I think about the book of Hosea, I think about Shane and Shane and -hmm. their song, uh, Hosea, uh, that is from like Hosea Mm 12.1, Come Let Us Return. I remember being in college and uh, being the lobby guitarist. I don't know. Do you know what a lobby guitarist is? No. 
Okay. <laughs> You're learning all of these things. Yeah. <laughs> so a lobby guitarist is flannel graphs. Flannel graphs. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> that, that was enlightening seeing those uh, pictures from members of. Yeah, our we group. got people that to was, send us pictures. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> so uh, lobby, lobby guitarists. guitarists. Yeah. So these are guys that when you go to college and you live in the dorm, these are the guys that sit in the lobby and play guitar all night to impress the girls because they can't like go into the hallway. Gonna, I like, thought this was going to be like a real thing. Like we played. In no, the this lobby, is a real but, thing. No, no. I mean, like, but I meant like there was a purpose other than just impressing girls or whatever. Oh, no, no. The purpose was to show girls how much worship music you knew <laughs> and you could worship Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um anyway that was my college experience was uh impressing girls playing the guitar and i always played this song shane and shane hosea because it was kind of cool and it had the cool pick pattern and anyway that has nothing to do with the book of hosea <laughs> i think i think of the book of hosea as like a um a super condensed version of the entirety of the old testament that's that's probably pretty true just like because cho- yeah, like chosen Hosea and Gomer. <laughs> yeah. Gomer is the ch- is chosen by Hosea. And Gomer in uh Hosea pursues Gomer and then Gomer runs off and Hosea pursues and brings her back and then she runs off again. I mean, stop me and if it sounds exactly like Israel running away from God <laughs> throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. What's that thing we keep talking about? The Deuteronomic cycle? Yeah, about that. That seems to keep coming it's up. It's a real thing. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> it's a real thing. <laughs> Anywho, so let's orient ourselves with Hosea. So, the combination of both compassion and condemnation uh, for the Northern Kingdom, we're talking about the Northern Kingdom mostly tonight, um, is seen in Hosea. So, you, you have this... Like Hosea has to keep being compassionate toward specifically his wife, but also towards the nation, even though they keep doing stupid stuff. Um, And so they keep living in this covenant unfaithfulness. They keep living in this this uh, cycle that we've talked about since the beginning of of this study, like Mm -hmm. 50 episodes ago. And. Hosea just keeps calling him back and keeps calling him back and keeps calling him back. And so he's a northern prophet uh, to the to Israel. He's possibly from Samaria, um, which would, interestingly enough, make him a Samaritan. And we're going to talk about Samaritans when we get to the New Testament uh, and the Good Samaritan. And that story is kind of fun. But anyway, the emphasis of this book is that God's unfailing love for his people, even when he has to punish them, for their unfaithfulness. Mm-hmm. And so in the midst of punishment, there is still this idea of un, unfailing love. And this, honestly, this reminds me a lot of like, of being a parent and you never actually understand what unfailing love is to me. I, I Maybe this is my experience and my experience is different, but to me, I never actually understood unfailing love until I became a parent. Mm-hmm. And then that child like talks back at you and you yell at them and you're like, Mm. you totally deserve that but that's not the way that i need to respond and right. and so you you learn what it means to to respond to correct but to correct the way god corrects us you know mm-hmm. in love and in truth 
And it's, hey, you don't need to do this because it's bad for you. And here's reasons why. And I'm going to correct you. And there's going to be consequences for this. But know that even through all these consequences, I'm standing right here beside you. And I love you. And I would never not do anything for you. Right. You know, so um, that that really kind of puts the whole parenting, the whole God and covenant relationship, puts that into a perspective a lot of times that I think we overlook as modern day Americans. No, for sure. And I so, mean, we're, we're going through the same thing with our four year old right now where he's uh, super whiny, super clingy, super defiant, mm-hmm. that whole thing. And my wife and I have both at times lost our cool and gotten fr- gotten frustrated and yelled and hollered and mm-hmm. and feel dumb later because you're yelling at a four-year-old <laughs> but so yeah like you were saying it's like i'm the grown-up i should be handling this much better but anyway yeah so that's got us oriented let's talk about how we should read isaiah give us some advice for reading uh hosea i'm about to say we're reading we're reading we're reading hosea not isaiah (laughs) isaiah was a few weeks ago a few weeks ago yeah we did that a while back yeah so uh hosea um as we're reading the book we need to pay attention to the symbolic marriage um that of between hosea and gomer Mm -hmm. um and the relationship of god to his people um and how those two are uh uh what's the word paralleled pa- yeah they, par- they they parallel each other it's mm-hmm. Hosea's marriage to Gomer is a metaphor for the relationship between God and his people thank you it's an, an it's an analogy yeah thank you thank you for <laughs> helping me figure out what I was trying to say um <laughs> the historical context of when this takes place is around second Kings 14 through 18 ish. Maybe um, yeah. Jose is mostly delivering oracles in the decline of Israel after King Jeroboam, the second mm-hmm. um, some uh, like theological and religious context. Um, Hosea is constantly reminding Israel of their unfaithfulness through reminding them about their beginnings and parallel this with his marriage to gomer Mm -hmm. he's remind like he is constantly in pursuit of this woman who is worth his pursuit but she keeps returning to her old way of life and her and she and she doesn't feel like she's worthy of being pursued by hosea and hosea still goes and he doesn't he buy her out of oh yeah prostitution multiple times multiple times the buyers are out of prostitution so and like that is a direct parallel to what god does for the nation of israel (laughs) over and over and over and what he does for us even today um so um just be thinking about that as we talk through this and as you read hosea Mm -hmm. Uh, and hosea is showing israel how they are replacing uh, worship with worship of God with a syncretic syncretistic view of yeah. their surrounding pagan cultures, um, both Canaanite and Assyrian. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, because of Hosea's great passion for Gomer and also for the situation in, in general, um, mm-hmm. the book can be kind of hard to read. Um, he gets, <clears throat> I mean, 
there are times when he is like so gung-ho passionate about it he just like flies off and goes and does something <laughs> and you're like dude you need to slow down um but this is a great strength like we see we could see it as a weakness but it's a great strength because yeah he's displaying this passion um and he's displaying it with uh how he communicates and the metaphors he uses throughout the story mm -hmm. um or throughout the book and it really helps put the whole thing into perspective as we read it yeah you know it's it's interesting on on that last point before we get to the walkthrough when i read hosea i'm often like this i guess this is apparent in me now when, when i read hosea i find there's times maybe you can relate to this there's times when you're like you're getting onto your kids and you're just like if you would just but you gotta and and you don't know like you don't know what to say and you're trying your hardest not to like fly off the handle mm -hmm. completely but you you like you're frustrated because you can't word it right in a way that they're going to understand it. Mm -hmm. And and so I, a lot of times, like when I'm reading through Hosea, that's what I feel like. I feel like Hosea is standing there looking at Israel being like, what if you would just, you know, and he's like, like his he just doesn't know his exactly frustration what to has, say. His frustration has manifested itself in his inability to say like exactly what he wants to say because he doesn't want to yeah. come across as like he, he doesn't want there to be any like doubt that he cares for israel mm -hmm. or anything like that but at the same time he's just like burr, 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 burr. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and and like it, again the part of me is like that's what's so fantastic about reading the bible because you know these words are are god inspired they're they're put there on purpose by god and at the same time, you see the humanity of Hosea. Mm -hmm. Like all, both of them are captured equally great, and it's like, man, this is so cool because I feel like Hosea can relate to me. Well, you know, I mean, I think about it too. Like in throughout all of the old, and I'm sure we've talked about this, and we'll talk about it again throughout the Old Testament. Israel, time and time again, has turned their back on God literally mm -hmm. moments after he's done something miraculous for them. And I just picture God doing the same thing going, what are you, what the, if you would just stop doing the stupid stuff, you wouldn't be getting in the same situation. Like I, I could just I feel that's what God wants to say to the nation of Israel all the time throughout mm -hmm. all of the old Testament and the same thing here with Hosea. So. Oh man. Oh, <laughs> If only God could think like us. <laughs> That's <laughs> no, we don't want that. I don't want that. <laughs> You're right. We don't want that at all. Oh man, if only we could continue to think like God. Um, but anyway, so let's let's get this walk through here. Um, I'll pick us up here on the introduction. Hosea lays out um basically who he is, what he's here for, and then you get a um kind of a setup of who who and what's going on to uh, telltale of everything um, in the first verse. And then in the rest of chapter one to the very beginning of chapter two, you get a breakdown of Hosea's marriage. Um, he's married to this adulterous woman, Gomer. They have children. Um, these children were served as a metaphor uh, for Israel and God throughout the book, which I think is interesting. Um, 
because you have uh, the adulterous woman who is, I think, I believe that represents Israel mm-hmm. in this picture. You got Hosea who's representing the prophet, the words of God. You have the adulterous woman who's representing, um, who's there with Israel. And then you have the children, which their names are all representative of God's judgment. And mm. even the rejection of Israel. Now, we know that that God never fully rejects Israel because there's still the remnant. Um, mm-hmm. but but there does become a point where where he says, No, I'm going to I'm basically going to save the remnant and I'm going to turn to the Gentiles and, and the nations. Uh and that's that's when the New Testament comes in. Um, but you have the later children that are given names uh that bring back this kind of spark of hope and they serve as a reuniting of God's people. And there are that's you know, we talked about that remnant and there's a future hope and there's a future time when all of this is going to culminate and come together uh, at the redemption and the marriage supper of the lamb. We've read, we're going to get to the book of revelation eventually, um, but all of this is going to kind of play out. And so this whole kind of marriage thing ends up being this giant metaphor mm-hmm. for, to me, the meta narrative scripture creation, yeah. fall, redemption, consummation. The whole yep. thing is played out right here in this marriage of Hosea, yeah. um, which again, to me, just attests of the unity of, of scripture um, if we want to use a big theological word, we use the perspicuity of Scripture, the clarity, um, the oneness, the unity of Scripture as it points toward the eventual day and uh, uh, the return of Christ. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where we are, chapters one and two. Take us through the next couple of sections. So the rest of chapter two, uh, we see Israel punished and restored. Um, the narrative continues uh, uh, regarding the adulterous uh, Israel and it, Israel is shown as they are called to repent through their children, which we've already discussed being their judgment. And they do that for a while, but then don't forget mm-hmm. about the Deuteronomic cycle um, as you read throughout the entire book. So yeah, redemption or fall, creation, fall, redemption. What was the fourth thing? Consummation. Consummation. I always forget the last word because it's a long, <laughs> big word. Um, <laughs> But that's going to continue like throughout the entirety of Hosea and the rest of the Bible, um, yes. or at least the Old Testament. So, um, and then we get into uh, chapter three. We see judgment and restoration. Um, themes of judgment and restoration are set up here and continue throughout the remainder of the book. So, mm-hmm. Hosea spends a few verses here. It's only like five verses here. He spends a few verses setting up and going into those, and then. Um, they will continue as we move through the rest of Hosea. Yes. So then we pick up in chapters four, uh, most of four and five, we talk about God's charge against Israel because of their unfaithfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and this language, interestingly here, is very legal, uh, almost related to a courtroom, you could say. Um, it takes the form of like a, a lawsuit where you have like these charges and you have evidence and, and this is the reason why this is happening. You have that kind of language being used here in, uh, in the first part of chapter five. And then Mm -hmm. from the rest of five on through basically the end of chapter seven, you have Israel's unfaithfulness and then that unfaithfulness leading to alliances that probably should not have happened. Uh, Mm -hmm. Entangling alliances is what they're called in the book. Um, and this is where we see uh, we bring back this idea of the watchman uh, from Ezekiel. Remember that from Ezekiel, you have the watchman could possibly have been Hosea. 
was the actual watchman is instructed to sound the alarm. Um, and, and they're sounding the alarm for the impending judgment, cozying up to Assyria, false repentance. Um, if you see any parallel patterns to the way the church is today, you probably should see parallel patterns because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we found the church cozying up with things of, you know, Assyria. If you, if you metaphor, uh, Assyria with the world, I mean, the church in so many areas is trying to cozy up to the world. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're for years, we've seen what I would call false repentance. Uh, we've been seeing, you know, it's all about the numbers. It's all about getting people to walk the aisle or say the prayer or do this thing so that we can add you to the book and we can add you to the role. And we've got, you know, we've got 10,000 members. Sure. Only 3,000 of them show up on a daily or on a weekly basis on Sunday, but we've got 10,000 members on the books. Look at how cool we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that that's to me, that's how the modern church represents this, this type of story right here. And, yeah. and because of those two things, the church is going to have an impending judgment and, and, and you don't have to like it, but it's going to happen and it's right. going to be bad. And so the church is not the shining thing that it should be right now, but you can trust me on this. God's going to purify his church. He's going to wipe away the wheats from the tares, and and then there's going to be judgment on that, and those who are found to be faithful in Christ are going to be uh, taken with him into glory. But we're going to talk about that later. Um, so that gets us through uh, really the end of verse uh, or end of chapter 7. And and they've had their sins exposed and all that. So take us through chapters like eight through ten. Sure. So uh, chapters eight in the first part of chapter chapter eight in the first part of chapter nine. Um, there's more judgment because of more unfaithfulness. Um, and the watchmen. Yeah, I know. Right. The cycle <laughs> keeps coming up. Um, Hosea has sounded the alarm here again, um, along with regular idolatry. There's now added charges mm-hmm. involving the unfaithfulness of the king. Um, evidence um, just shows how deep the depravity was in Israel. Um, mm-hmm. Israel is just struggling right now, and <laughs> it ain't doesn't look like it's getting better anytime soon. <laughs> um, and then the rest of chapter nine and chapter ten, Israel's condemned for not living up to her calling, and mm-hmm. this is kind of what you were just touching on when you're talking about the church, like. Israel is called to live different and was chosen to live differently than the world around her. And she was not living up to that standard, Mm -hmm. much like the church now, especially the Western church in 2023, um, is not living up to the standard God has set aside for the church. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Um, Hosea's oracles here are used by God to remind Israel of their past and serve as a reminder of their present judgments. Um, and uh, chapter 10, verse 12, excuse me, is an invitation that sets up uh, compassion that's coming in chapter 11. We're finally going to get compassion. I feel like it's been like <laughs> one after another, just like, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong. So, mm-hmm. um, but that gets us to chapter 11. Yeah, so chapters eleven through thirteen, um, we we get a little bit of compassion, and then of course we're gonna we're gonna immediately skip back to the sins of Israel because that's who they are. It seems like, um, 
but chapter 11 really kind of serves as the heart of the message of Hosea. Um, even though Israel is unfaithful, even though they continually do wrong, they continually um, sacrifice the idols, they, the syncretism, all of it, all of their unfaithfulness, their covenant unfaithfulness is being exposed. Um, they're still judged and they're still promised restoration. Um, the restoration becomes comes because of the Holy One, you know, that that's pointing to Christ. Uh, that's showing us the example of of Christ coming and and being the one who puts all things uh, right again. Um, and so so you see this this kind of back and forth thing. And then as we get into the end of eleven and really all the way through thirteen, uh, it it almost seems like the book has started over again. Uh, you're right back into the cycle of sin and unfaithfulness and and syncretism and everything that we've talked about in chapters one, two, and three. We're right back to the beginning of it. Um, and this repetitious cycle is is going to continue, but we also, as, as Christians and as believers in Christ, we see the hope because we know that even in the midst of this cycle and Israel's unfaithfulness, there is a God who is continually faithful Mm -hmm. and he stands by his promise and he stands by his word. And he says that I'm going to do this. I'm going to restore you and I'm going. And so he is going to make that come about Mm -hmm. Um, whatever, however he deems that necessary to be done is, is his prerogative, but he is going to bring about that restoration. And so uh, we don't always have to like that. We don't always have to um, enjoy it. Um, but we do have to be willing to accept that God is going to work how he wants to work, when he wants to work, why he wants to work. Right. Um, and so, so at the end of the day, it's all about how God works and not about how we perceive God working. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think we get caught up in the, why God works instead of the, that God works. Yes. You know, and, you know, just because God is moving in a way that is unfamiliar or we're, you know, we didn't expect or it's not exactly how we asked for it or whatever, doesn't mean that it invalidates God's movement. Yeah. You know, um, I, I don't know. It's, I feel like we... I don't know. Something we're going to come to, um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and set up the book of Joel a little bit, which we're going to discuss next week. But something we're going to come to is God's people responding to God's people with mercy. Hmm. Um, and in our in our modern society, we have, through social media, technology, we have become a people who can can put on blast through the medium of of social media anybody we want to mm-hmm. we can we can display our opinions uh unfiltered however we want to on social media and i'm i'm going to argue that that is actually a bad thing because because it it gives people a it it gives people a narcissistic self-importance to their opinion is what it does. It, it says, look at me, look at how great I am. Look at what my great opinion is. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we need, I think we need our opinions to stay 
back in our minds uh, because most of our opinions are garbage anyway. Um, and so, you know, and, and I, I say that about myself. Most of my opinions are, gar- you know, 80% of the thoughts that come into my brain don't leave my brain. And that's probably better for the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, but, you know, the way that God's people are going to be judged is how they acted towards other people. And, and am I for correcting people who are wrong about the Bible? Yes, I'm absolutely for that. And am I for correcting people who uh, are, are demeaning the name and the character of God? Absolutely. 100%. I am for that, but don't just espouse an opinion because you've, read on somebody's Twitter feed that they said it this way and this thing about this event, about this thing, and you have no experience with it. And somehow you're, you're supposed to be the be all end all pontificator of great opinions about how good or bad this event that's happening is, Mm -hmm. you know, for, for lack of a better term, keep your opinions to yourself because opinions are like, everybody's got one and they all stink. You know, sorry. <laughs> I'm always have, the one having to do that on we're here. Gonna, we're going to have to put the explicit E on this episode because of that. <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, people, I think with, especially as information is just more readily available than ever. Mm-hmm. People can, people think they're experts on yes. anything and everything. Yeah. Just because they can and i'm guilty of this like i can't i can't let something go like if i i have if i have like a oh who was that actor who was in that thing i'll have to look it up like i i can't not know (laughs) so like i'm like just as guilty of this but you know just because you have the information available or just because you read a blog or saw a tweet or watched the news or you know whatever Mm. doesn't mean you have to blast your opinion out there doesn't mean you have to blast you know someone who has a different opinion doesn't doesn't mean you have to tear down people who think differently than you and yeah you know there are things that we should protect the sufficiency and the authenticity of scripture the um the person and the work of jesus Mm -hmm. um there's some things that we shouldn't get up in arms about yeah Especially as believers, there are some things we should not even have public arguments about. If you want to have a private <laughs> argument or a private discussion about something, go right ahead. But don't get on Twitter and go back and forth with somebody just because you different opinions with them. Yeah. That doesn't just because you think their theological system is stupid doesn't yeah. mean you have to argue with them on Twitter. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't accomplish anything that doesn't. All it does is create more division because you're going to have two groups of people reading that saying, you know, one saying, oh, I agree with this yeah. person and the other group saying, I agree with the other person. That's right. And you get, and you get two echo chambers bouncing yep. off of each other is what you yep. have. So <laughs> anyway, I'd like, I'd like to think the world was simpler before all that, but I think it was just maybe just hard in a different way. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So wrap us up. Close out Hosea for us. So Hosea is going to wrap up. He's going to conclude uh, with one last invitation of repentance mm-hmm. um, and to return to the promise of a hope in a future. And that's really all that God wants us 
God wants from us for from mm-hmm. us and for us. He wants us to repent and he wants to give us a hope um in the future. He 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 has he has future planned for us. He has um things greater than we could ever imagine in store for us. Um you know, it may not look like what you think it looks like here on earth. It's not a prosperity promise. It's not a things are going to be great promise, but it's a you will be closer to him promise mm-hmm. because of the things you go through and because of the things you encounter, because of the things that you um have seen and heard and done and read and said and and all that. Um yeah. everything everything we do, the end goal should be to bring us closer to being more and more like Jesus. Yeah. So that's the that's the challenge. That's the that's the promise that if you pursue him, he'll make you more like you. More I'm sorry, he'll make you more like him. Mm-hmm. Um and <clears throat> that's all that's all we can do is is pursue after Jesus with everything we have and trust him with with everything we have and know that his plans are greater than anything we could ever imagine. Yeah. So Yep. That's a good way to wrap it up too. Great. I think. Michael, yeah. will you pray for us? I certainly will. Do it. So um God, thank you for um tonight. Thank you for the discussion that we were able to have around the book of Hosea. Thank you for this book and what it means in the entire narrative of scripture, how it um shows us at a small level or at a small view, um just an example of the greater picture of scripture, God, that um we have run from you time and time again. And time and time again, you have pursued us passionately with everything that you have to bring us back with you and bring us back to you. Um, and God made this challenge at the end of Hosea to repent and to be more like you. Uh, may we all take that to heart. May we all find time in the next few days to um, just spend time alone with you and um, seek your face and seek um, just seek you and have you revealed to us anything that we need to confess that we need to repent of God um, and may we every day uh, may we every day uh, pursue you with the passion that um, will make us more like you Jesus make us more um, uh, aware of the situations around us, people in need of um, ways we can help others that um, either can't help themselves or don't know um, what to do. And Jesus, may we just be so aware of uh, what is needed around us that um, we don't even have to think twice if it's uh, obviously from you a prompt to, uh, to help. So um, Jesus, we love you. We thank you for um, just all the ways that you're moving and working around um, in our communities, around the country, around the world. 
And uh, God, we just pray that you continue to do so. Um, we love you and we look forward to um, next week when we get back together and um, spend more time in your word and uh, discussing it. So um, thank you, Jesus, for all you do for us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Anthony, if our listeners wanted to find us on social medias, where would they do so? You can send all of your hate mail and uh, concerns about me losing my salvation for cursing on the podcast to uh, Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. Um, you can send those to Twitter at beers and Bible P1. You can send those on Facebook uh, by looking up Beers and Bible Podcast, and then you can email them directly to us. Um, please include all citations uh, for any complaints uh, to Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com, and we will gladly uh, respond to those uh, queries should you want to send those into us. I was trying to figure out where in the episode you lost your salvation, and then when you <laughs> said what you did i was like oh yeah that's right so <laughs> i did i said a curse word sorry i was, I was very Apologize. confused but you know what <laughs> we could talk about this another time but i think that maybe sometimes the best words to use are words we wouldn't normally say out loud so maybe we'll do an episode on cussing one day oh man that'd be amazing we have we have to finish the bible <laughs> first so anyway yes we do. <laughs> um, until next week we hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open, and we will see y'all later. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>